What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 126, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, December 5th, 2020, headlined by Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. This 11-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Last week on the podcast, I only predicted 3 out of 10 fights correctly and lost .08 units on my Bet MMA Tips page, which is where you can find all my official track bets. And one last note before we get into analyzing this card, December 1st was the 3-year anniversary of the Martian MMA podcast. The podcast has been going strong for 3 years straight, and I have recorded a podcast before every single UFC card for the past 123 or so UFC cards. I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere around 120, 125, somewhere in that range. So I just want to give a big thank you to everybody who has been listening to the podcast over the past three years. Your support means a lot to me. Everybody who has liked the video, commented on the videos, interacted with me on Twitter. I really appreciate all of you. And to be honest, when we're making these podcasts every single week, we're studying footage before every single podcast. We're recording them and doing that every single week for 20 weeks in a row, sometimes 40 weeks out of the year. It does get a bit tiresome and exhausting, but I still feel very fulfilled and accomplished every time I hit that upload button and I see people viewing the podcast, enjoying the podcast. And that's really what I do it for. I'm really consistent. I believe I am the most consistent betting podcast in all of MMA. I would be curious to see if there was another podcast that has gone uh, 120 UFC events in a row without missing a single event. There are a lot of great podcasts out there. I support everybody making MMA podcasts, but I truly believe I have the most consistent MMA betting podcast out there, and I take pride in that accomplishment. And I just want to once again thank everybody who has listened to the podcast over the past three years. And I'm going to keep going strong. And we have another event this weekend, and we're going to get right into analyzing those fights. So the first fight we got this weekend is in the heavyweight division. We have John Vellante taking on Jake Collier. The opening betting line for this fight was Volante minus 161 to Collier plus 134. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Volante minus 200 to Collier plus 170. More action coming in on the favorite John Volante, and I agree with that action. After how bad and fat Jay Collier looked in his last fight, I just think there's no way you can be betting on him. He's fought most of his career at middleweight and at light heavyweight, but then he had a three-year layoff, and he came in at 265 pounds versus Aspinall. He got finished in about 90 seconds in that fight, looked very fat, slow, and uninterested in winning that fight. So based on that alone, I think there's no way you can be putting your money on Collier. He has just shown no ability that he can compete in martial arts at this level uh, in his physical shape right now. His last fight that he looked good in was over three years ago. So there's no way you can be betting him here. I wouldn't go crazy betting on Volante, but I do think he is the rightful favorite. I do think he deserves about 65 to 70%. And even though Volante lost his last fight in an embarrassing fashion versus Maurice Green getting submitted from top position with that weak arm triangle choke, at least he was winning that fight. He was having success. He was probably on his way to a decision win. So we at least have seen Volante look good against UFC-level competition in green lately, while Collier has just shown nothing to think that he can compete at this level. So I'm going to pick... Volante to get this one done. I'll probably go with the decision, but there's no way you can be confident in the, the goes the distance or the overs here. I think those props do look appealing, the over one and a half rounds, the goes the distance prop. But with how quickly Jake Collier got destroyed versus Aspinall, I really wouldn't count on a an early I wouldn't really count out a knockout from Volante early. We could just see Collier go down very quickly. He could be fighting for a paycheck. There's really no way of knowing. So I wouldn't go crazy on the overs or the goes the distance here. 
And I wouldn't go crazy on Volante either because it is super low-level heavyweight MMA here. But I think Volante should be pretty safe to win this fight. And I think he will win by decision ultimately. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Damon Jackson taking on Ilya Taporia. The opening betting line for this fight was Taporia minus 170 to Jackson plus 145. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Taporia minus 250 to Jackson plus 210. More action coming in on the favorite Ilya Taporia here, and I understand why. He seems to be a pretty popular pick right now within the market. He is coming off of an impressive underdog victory over Yusef Zalal. He came into that fight on short notice and was able to pressure Zalal, outbox him, hit takedowns pretty easily, and keep top for most of that fight, winning that fight via decision very comfortably. I was a bit of a doubter of Taporia coming into the UFC. I do believe I picked Salah in that fight because I don't think Taporia looked extremely great in his regional tape, but he did look very improved in that UFC debut. He had good cardio on short notice. He could shoot takedowns late into the fight, so very impressive performance from Taporia. But Damon Jackson also had a pretty impressive short notice comeback win over Mursad Bektik in his last fight. He had been in the UFC beforehand. He was out of the UFC for several years, picked up very impressive wins in the LFA promotion, and then came in to fight Mursad Bektik on short notice, was taken down and outgrappled for the first two rounds of that fight. But he came out in round three very aggressive, got a takedown, went for that guillotine choke, and was able to finish Mursad Bektik in an incredible comeback. And Bektik is a great fighter, great grappler, and for Jackson to come back in that way and to submit him was a really impressive victory. Now getting down to how these two match up, I do understand why Taporia is the favorite here. He does seem to be the better striker. He's a little more comfortable on the feet. I like the way he was pressuring Yusef Salah in that fight and mixing up his boxing and disguising his takedowns with his boxing as well. He did that really well in that fight. And Taporia has also knocked out opponents on his regional tape. And Jackson just doesn't look very comfortable striking. He doesn't have the greatest defense. He's been knocked out before. Doesn't have the greatest chin. So I do give an advantage to Taporia on the feet here. And on the ground, I think I give a slight advantage to Taporia as well. I do think he's a much better wrestler and should be able to take Jackson down here. But once the fight gets down to the floor, I do not believe that Jackson will give up very dominant positions. He did a great job of defending Mursad Bektik's grappling. Didn't give up very many dominant positions to Bektik in that fight. Was attempting Kimuras and guillotines, working on his way back up to the feet. And Taporia is just not that dominant of a grappler. He, he was able to take down Yusef Zalal very easily, but he was going for a lot of submissions. He was losing position. Yusef Zalal was escaping submissions, standing back up very frequently in that fight. So Taporia doesn't have dominant top control, doesn't have incredible submissions. So I do not think that he's going to be able to hold Jackson down for long. I certainly don't think that he will submit Jackson. So this is going to be a very competitive grappling fight, very similar to Jackson's last fight, where he's going to be working from bottom, making the top guy work, and we could start to see Taporia slow down, very similar to how Mursad Bektik slowed down in their fight. So in terms of a pre-fight betting line, I understand this line. I do think I'm probably going to wait to bet Jackson as a live bet. I think he's probably going to be a better live bet. We might get him at a better price, around plus 300, 400. After about three to five minutes in this fight, because I do think he gets initially taken down in round one, Bektik was able to take Jackson down pretty easily in round one. Taporia has aggressive wrestling. He comes out hard in round one. So I do think Taporia will hit takedowns and win round one, but I'm not confident that he will keep that up throughout the, the last two rounds, which I think Jackson might have a cardio advantage. And I think his experience advantage will start to come out in those last two rounds as well. Ultimately, I'm still going to be picking Taporia to win a decision here. I think his takedowns and his cardio, his athleticism will be enough to 
for him to bank two rounds and to win a decision here. But I don't think he finishes Jackson on the mat with a submission. We might see a Taporia knockout on the feet because I mentioned that he is the better striker. Jackson is not the most solid defensively or durability wise. So we could see a knockout from Taporia. But ultimately, I do think the fight will go to a decision. It will be a 29-28 decision for Taporia. And look to live bet Jackson here midway through the round one or after round one if you're not liking the way Taporia is looking. I also think that the Jackson round three prop has some value and the Taporia decision prop as well. So very fun fight here. Looking forward to this fight a lot. Both of these guys had incredible last fights, so this should be a really fun fight. I will ultimately pick Taporia by decision. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Jimmy Flick taking on Cody Durden. The opening betting line for this one was Flick minus 222 to Durden plus 183. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Flick minus 172 Durden plus 145. I agree with that line movement. That opening line was set too wide. I agree with that action coming in on Durden. I'll start with a brief introduction on Durden. He is dropping down to flyweight in this fight. He made his UFC debut on short notice versus Chris Gutierrez. Got an early takedown and back take in that fight and was able to score a 10-8 round in round one. But got most of his takedown stuffed and outstruck in the last two rounds and lost those two rounds. But was awarded a draw so he performed pretty well on short notice but definitely slowed down a lot after round one. And is dropping down to flyweight here. He comes from a wrestling background. We know that Durden likes to hit offensive takedowns. He usually comes out pretty aggressive in round one, looking for that big slam takedown and trying to get a round one finish. But we haven't really seen Durden's defensive wrestling t tested much. There is some very minimal footage of him taking on Justin Scoggins in round three of their fight, where we do see him getting taken down and pushed against the cage a bit. But we can't really learn a lot from that fight. It's only about five minute clip. I think the main question about this fight is Durden's takedown defense. Will he be able to stop the takedowns of Jimmy Flick, who loves to get the fight to the floor, has 13 out of 15 wins by submission, and really relies on getting the fight to the floor because he does not have good striking, uh, neither offensively or defensively. He really only throws leg kicks and gets very off balance when he's throwing strikes. I do think that Durden's probably the better striker here just because he seems a little bit more technically sound and comfortable. We did see Durden struggle with the leg kicks from Gutierrez and not really have much of an answer for them. And Jimmy Flick does throw a lot of leg kicks when he is striking. So I'm not entirely sure that Durden will be the better striker here. Although I do have a slight lean to him in terms of striking. I really think the only way that Flick wins this fight is if he's able to get a takedown, get the fight to the floor, and to submit Durden. I think that Durden has more ways to win. He could possibly land a striking knockout on the feed. He could outstrike Jimmy Flick to a decision. He could stuff takedowns and win in a clinching and grinding type of fight, or he could possibly hit his own takedowns and win the fight from top position. But I think it would not be wise for Durden to hit his own takedowns here. He's going to have to be constantly defending the submission attempts from Jimmy Flick. And Jimmy Flick's submissions are really good. He flows between different attempts so well, from armbar to omoplata to triangle. I think that Flick must have thrown up about five or six different submissions in his contender series fight. And he really is a great submission grappler, the much better submission grappler than Durden. Durden is way less experienced in terms of jiu-jitsu skill, and that's why I think he will be in danger here. He definitely comes from that wrestling background, probably has some bad tendencies from his wrestling career, and is not really on that level of submission grappling that Jimmy Flick is. In terms of a pre-fight money line bet, I do think it is dog or pass here. I think the value is on Durden if you want to bet this fight pre-fight. 
I cannot say that I am over 60% confident that Flick hits takedowns here, and that's how I think he wins the fight, by hitting takedowns and getting a submission, or winning the fight with top position and getting a decision. Although, he does not like going to decision, he attacks all these submissions because he's super aggressive on the ground. So, I do think a decision is not very likely here, but it is plus 200 for a flyweight fight, and they do historically go the distance at a pretty high rate, so you might want to play the goes the distance here. Although I currently have no bets on this fight and likely won't lock in any official bets on this one. Ultimately, I am going to be picking Jimmy Flick by submission. I think he needs a lot less to go right for him in this fight to win. I think he can win by a submission at any time during these 15 minutes. While I think that Durden is going to need a lot more prolonged success and winning more minutes to win the fight. So Flick is going to be my pick. I think he locks up a submission somewhere along the line here. Let's go with a submission round two for Flick. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Jordan Levitt taking on Matt Wyman. The opening betting line for this one was Levitt minus 305 to Wyman plus 225. Right now we are seeing Levitt minus 425 to Wyman plus 325. More action coming in on the favorite. I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that where the opening line was set was probably more accurate. And now it's definitely a dog or pass situation. To be quite honest, I think both of these guys are pretty awful fighters. We have Matt Wyman, who is way past his prime, has looked terrible in his past two fights, got completely dominated by Pena, smashed with ground and pound and knocked out in round three of that fight, and got taken down and dominated on the mat versus Joe Selecki. I will say that his defensive grappling still looked pretty good against Selecki. He defended a lot of submissions. Selecki is a very dangerous grappler, and the fact that Wyman was able to make it to a decision was pretty impressive. But still, he has had no success in either of those fights. He's gotten completely dominated, wiped out by both of them. So it's pretty hard to have any faith in Wyman here. And I'm not really advising to bet on Wyman, even though I did say it is dog or pass. If there's any value in this fight, I do think it is on the goes to distance prop or the Levitt decision prop. Based on what I just said, the fact that Wyman was able to survive the ground attack from Joe Selecki, defend submissions, and make it to a decision. And I think that Selecki's a way better grappler than Levitt. Now starting to talk about Levitt, he is a southpaw striker, but his striking is awful. I mean, terrible defensively, offensively, no effective offense, no way of defending strikes, doesn't look very comfortable with getting hit at all. I really see Levitt as a very one-dimensional fighter. The only way he can win fights is via hitting takedowns, and his wrestling isn't even that good. He often shoots takedowns from very far away with no setup and very telegraphed takedowns, and usually when they don't work, he ends up butt scooting, trying to pull guard trying to go for a leg lock and it's really a terrible fighting style to watch just not fun to watch at all even when he's on top he has some decent submissions decent ground and pound but i don't find his top game particularly heavy i don't think he's a great submission threat and i think the only real threat for a finish here is via ground and pound wyman got absolutely dominated with ground and pound versus luis pena and that's how he got finished in round three of that fight so if Levitt really unleashes the ground and pound here when he's on top, we could see a finish from Levitt. But I ultimately think that Levitt will just win this fight via hitting takedowns, outgrappling Wyman, and winning a close grappling decision type of fight. It probably won't be too close. I do expect Le Levitt to win it pretty comfortably. But Wyman is still a pretty decent grappler. His submission defense is on point. He's still tough. So I don't think that he will get finished very easily here. So I think the goes to distance is value here. I would likely end up with a play on the goes to distance. Or if you want to play Levitt decision, do that as well. But I think the goes to distance at plus 120 is a little bit better than Levitt decision at plus 150. So the pick is Levitt decision here. 
The next fight is in the bantamweight division. We have Luis Smolka taking on Jose Alberto Quinones. The opening betting line for this one was Smolka minus 135 to Quinones minus 105. We are now seeing Smolka minus 131 to Quinones plus 111. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, and this fight was actually supposed to happen three weeks ago. Both fighters weighed in, Luis Smolka missed weight by a little bit, and the UFC medical staff deemed him medically unfit to compete and was actually hospitalized, but they're throwing him right back in here three weeks later. He's got to cut all that weight again. He did weigh in at 135 and made weight today, but you still got to think that that weight cut back-to-back is going to hurt both of them and probably going to hurt Smolka more, who obviously had a rough weight cut three weeks ago. My original analysis of this fight was giving Smolka a slight advantage everywhere. I think he's a bit busier and more effective on the feet. He lands a bit harder with his punches, and he showed pretty good body punching in his last fight against Casey Kenny. I only give a very slight striking advantage to Smolka, but I give him a pretty decent grappling advantage here. I do think he's just the better wrestler, the better from top position, and a little bit better off of his back with submissions and getting back up to his feet, so I trust him a lot more if this fight gets to the floor. I was initially picking Smolka decision three weeks ago when this fight was supposed to happen, and I think I will stick with my official prediction, but it's hard to be confident in Smolka here. I definitely wouldn't be betting on him. I was kind of on the fence about this price last time around, but after the weight miss, the hospitalization, the back-to-back weight cuts, I think this is a clear pass at this point. If you want to make a small bet on Quinones at plus money, I understand. I don't knock that play at all. Ultimately, I still will be picking Smolka decision, but I'm expecting a really close fight, and it's not a confident pick at all. The next fight is the first fight on the main card, and it is in the featherweight division. We have Mosfar Ivalev taking on Nate Landwehr. The opening betting line for this one was Ivalev minus 352, Landwehr plus 285. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Ivalev minus 675 to Landwehr plus 500. Much more action coming in on the favorite Mosfar Ivalev, and I agree with that action. I actually think that Ivalev's chances in this fight are around 90%. Outside of some crazy knockout on the feet in this one, I do not see how Landwehr will win. He's just outmatched everywhere. Both of these guys come from the M1 Global promotion. They are both champions, have five-round experience. And Ivalev is actually the smaller guy. He was the champion at Bantamweight but moved up to featherweight since he's been in the UFC. I'm a big fan of Nate Landwehr. He's a very fun fighter to watch. His last fight against Darren Elkins was very entertaining, but even in that fight, that was a closer fight than it should have been. He should have been able to outbox Darren Elkins easily. We saw Darren Elkins look very bad on the feet versus Eduardo Garagori recently, and that kind of makes Nate Landwehr's performance against him look worse. The fact that he wasn't able to clearly outstrike Darren Elkins in that fight. Based off of that, I do give Ivalev a pretty significant striking advantage. He just has very clean technique in every aspect of MMA. His boxing is sharp. He can hit offensive takedowns. He's got great top game. Really impressed with most of our Ivalev. This is kind of a step back from Mike Grundy, in my opinion. Pretty bad matchmaking. This should be a really easy fight for most of our Ivalev. I think he either wins by 30-26, 30-25 decision, or does find a finish somewhere along the line. He is not very aggressive with chasing finishes, but I think this will be such a mismatch. And Nate Landwehr is very aggressive. Even when he's losing, he still keeps coming forward. So I think a finish is possible, but I'm going to ultimately pick a 30-26 decision for most of our Ivalev. And Mosvar Ivalev by decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Roman Delidzi taking on John Allen. The opening betting line for this one was Delidzi minus 200 to Allen plus 170. Right now over on Bet Online, the line is Delidzi minus 205 to Allen plus 175. 
there is two-way action coming in on this fight with a little more on Dalidzi's side. And I disagree with this initial line. I think this fight is much closer than the odds indicate. I would maybe give Dalidzi a slight advantage, maybe 55% here. Would not go over 60%. And I think at 67% for Dalidzi, that line is off by a good amount. So I am eyeing a bet on John Allen here. Have not locked in the action yet, though, because his price just keeps going up. Plus 175 is the best it's been all week. So over the next 24 hours, I will likely lock in a bet on John Allen for about one unit, maybe even 1.5 units, depending on the price. One concern I do have over this fight is Allen is coming off of a USADA suspension. This is his first fight back since getting his win over Mike Rodriguez. I think that was a short notice win, but a really impressive win over Mike Rodriguez. Whether the early storm from him was able to outstrike him, take him down, and keep him down, and win those last two rounds for a comfortable decision. Very impressive performance from John Allen in that one. I'm a bit concerned about the USADA suspension, but Roman Delidzi is also coming off of a USADA suspension. He's actually fought one time since then and did knock out Kitas Ibrahimov in round one, but both these guys are potentially coming off of steroids. That's something to consider here, although they both still look pretty juicy, especially Roman Delidzi on the face-off today. He looked extremely muscular, but that's beside the point. On a technical note... In most of Delidzi's regional fights, he comes out very aggressive, looking for a takedown in round one. But in his past two fights, he has not shot takedowns at all. His UFC debut against Kadisi Rahimov was a very low output fight before he landed that uh, left kick knee or whatever it was that ended up knocking out Ibrahimov. And his fight before that in some promotion in Russia was kind of a low output striking match as well, where he uncharacteristically did not shoot many takedowns. So we don't fully know what to expect from Delidzi. He shot early takedowns and was very aggressive in his early career, but his past few fights, he's been looking a lot more tentative, looking to keep the fight standing, maybe having a little bit more uh, faith in his striking. He did get two striking knockouts in his past two fights as well, so I do think Delidzi coming out and wrestling early is less reliable, but it would be a good path to victory for him here because... John Allen does struggle with takedown defense. He was taken down and outgrappled by Vincius Marrera on the Contender Series, who we now know is a very terrible fighter. In that fight, Allen initially stuffed some takedowns and was outboxing Marrera, but just couldn't put up a consistent takedown performance, couldn't stop the takedowns of Marrera, and eventually was taken down, put in some bad positions, and eventually got submitted with a triangle choke. So we know that Allen's takedown defense is not great, and all three of his most recent losses have come by way of submission. So if Roman Delidzi comes out here with the right game plan to shoot a lot of takedowns, try to get this fight to the floor and submit Allen, he has a good path to victory and has a good chance of getting that submission. Delidzi's submission prop right now is plus 600. I think that's a good bet. And we haven't talked about the striking in this fight either. And I do favor John Allen on the feet in this one. I think he's the much more fluid striker. He's got good boxing, digs to the body very well. While Roman Delidzi is a lot more plotting, relying on big power shots, does not have very consistent output throughout the five minutes of a round, and is kind of relying on those big knockout shots at times. So that's why I slightly favor John Allen on the feet here. I do favor Delidzi on the ground, but John Allen can also hit his own offensive takedowns. He hit five takedowns versus Mike Rodriguez. He had good cardio late in that fight. And as long as John Allen isn't too heavily affected by coming off this USADA suspension, I really like his chances to stuff takedowns, to outstrike strike Delidzi and to win this fight either by decision or knockout so I'm actually going to pick John Allen to pull off the upset here as I mentioned earlier I have not locked in my action on Allen yet I'm really waiting for the best price but I think there is about 7 to 10 percent worth of value on John Allen here so you can place your unit size accordingly I will likely be ending up with 1.5 units on John Allen here and I'm going to pick him to win by decision the next fight is in the lightweight division we have Gabriel Benitez taking on Justin Janes 
The opening betting line for this one was Jane's minus 155 to Benitez plus 115. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Benitez minus 242, Jane's plus 205. The line has flipped. Very bad opening line. The market came in on the right side here. Benitez is the justified favorite. The justified minus 200 favorite. So whoever opened up that line, it was a really bad line. And congratulations to anybody who got in on Benitez at that early price. This fight is at lightweight, and James's last fight was at featherweight, where he looked pretty bad against Gavin Tucker. Had a competitive round one, but really couldn't stop the takedowns of Gavin Tucker. Got outgrappled and eventually submitted in that fight. And Benitez spent most of his career at featherweight as well, but moved up to lightweight for his last fight. Lost a close competitive decision to Omar Morales. And I'm expecting both guys to look better than they did last fight because Benitez is getting more used to fighting at 155. I'm sure his body is getting used to fighting at this bigger weight class as well. So he'll be growing into this weight class a little bit better. And James won't be having to have that massive weight cut, which is probably why he gassed out so hard in that fight against Gavin Tucker. But James' style just doesn't lead me to believe that he has a good gas tank at all. He does have most of his wins by round one knockout. And when the fight goes out of round one, you definitely see him slow down. He doesn't have very great skill. He really thrives in those brawls where he's just throwing haymakers in round one, which is how he has his only UFC win against Frank Camacho. The only way I see James winning this fight is via knockout in the early rounds, and it's completely possible because Benitez doesn't have the greatest defense or chin. He has been finished at 145 two times in the first round by Andre Feely and by Sadiq Youssef, but those are two very high-level strikers, and I do not think that Justin James is anywhere near those guys, so I really give it a low probability of happening, and I think that Gabriel Benitez should just pick Justin James apart. James is not much of an offensive wrestling threat here either, so I just struggle to find any advantages for James in this fight. He slows down later in the fight. He doesn't really have high-level striking. He is kind of sloppy and slow striking, actually, in my opinion. So Benitez should be able to outstrike him pretty easily, possibly even finding a late knockout in those rounds two or three. So I'm actually going to go with a round three knockout pick. James might be tough enough to make it to a decision, and Benitez might not chase the finish, but with how badly James slows down in those later rounds, and with how much of a striking advantage I think Benitez has, I think the knockout is pretty likely here, so let's go with a round three knockout pick. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Montana De La Rosa taking on Talia Santos. The opening betting line for this fight was Santos minus 265 to De La Rosa plus 185. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Santos minus 222, De La Rosa plus 185. There is two-way action coming in on this fight with a little bit more on Montana De La Rosa's side, and I think that that is the right side to be on. I think that this line is a bit wide, especially that opening line at minus 265 for Santos. I think people could be factoring a little bit of recency bias into this one. Santos is coming off of a win over Molly McCann and possibly their records as well. You got 16 and one versus 11 and six. So people could be just blind betting Santos here, but I really don't see it. I think this is a much more competitive fight than the odds indicate. I am usually pretty optimistic about Montana De La Rosa. I bet her in her last fight against Vivian Araujo and I really didn't like her approach in that fight. When she fought Andrea Lee and was getting outstruck by Lee, she was relentless with her takedowns, shot like 12 takedowns in that fight, and was able to hit five of those takedowns. So I really like that characteristic about her. Even if she was getting outstruck, she'll keep coming forward and shooting takedowns. But De La Rosa was definitely not as aggressive as I hoped versus Viviana Araujo in her last fight. And Araujo is a much more damaging puncher than Andrea Lee, so I understand why that happened. But De La Rosa really didn't shoot enough takedowns in that fight, and she was never going to win a kickboxing match against Araujo. 
and she wasn't able to get the fight to the floor, so I lost a little bit of confidence in De La Rosa, but this is a good matchup for her. Santos has not looked good in terms of takedown defense. She was taken down and stuck on her back versus Mara Romero Barella for a good amount of time in their fight. So Montana De La Rosa has a path to victory here. She shoots a lot of takedowns. She has good top game. Even on the feet, I think De La Rosa should compete, but I do give a, a striking advantage to Talia Santos in this one. Santos also has the ability to hit her own offensive takedowns. She hit five takedowns versus Molly McCann in her last fight. So I understand why Santos is the favorite here. She can win this fight in more ways. I think that De La Rosa really needs to get this fight to the floor for her to win. But I think a plus 185, that's a good price to play her at to do so. So the value is on the underdog in this one. Ultimately, I will be picking Talia Santos to win by decision. But the odds are wide. I do not knock a small play on De La Rosa at all. Maybe half unit, one unit play on De La Rosa. I think she'll fight for your money, make it a little bit closer. And she could even win the fight if she gets the fight down to the floor consistently. Uh, the pick will be Talia Santos by decision, but it's dog or pass at these odds. The next fight is the co-main event in the light heavyweight division. We have Oban St. Pru taking on Jamal Hill. The opening betting line for this one was Hill minus 135 to St. Pru plus 115. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Hill minus 177 to St. Pru plus 152. More action coming in on Jamal Hill, and I agree with that action. Hill is obviously the younger fighter, will likely have a pretty significant speed advantage over OSP here, but I do not think that Hill is going to comfortably outstrike OSP. I think that OSP will make it very competitive. OSP is still kind of a tricky fighter on the feet, as proven in his last fight against Alonso Menafield. He was outstriking Menafield right away in that fight, was pressuring him very well, outboxing him, throwing a lot of body kicks that were connecting to the body, draining the energy of Menafield, and then was able to counter Menafield with a straight left hand that knocked Menafield out cold. Really impressive performance from OSP, probably his best performance in years. But this is a much different matchup against Jamal Hill. Hill is a much better striker than Menafield, much more fluid and active on the feet. I really like Hill's striking. He targets all areas of the bodies with his punches, his knees, his kicks. He can go to the body with kicks, head kicks. I really like his active striking style. On the Contender Series, he threw like 500 strikes or something like that in a 15-minute fight. He's just so active. He can go the full three rounds, outstriking opponents. And the only real problem about Jamal Hill is, I will say, his boxing defense. He doesn't have the greatest defense. Kind of pulls his head back in a straight line, which OSP has that same problem as well. But Hill's main problem is his takedown defense. He has not shown good takedown defense. He did get up from a lot of Darko Stosic's takedowns and didn't spend much time on his back. But a better wrestler who's going to be able to hold him down could have some success in Jamal Hill's career, and that is what OSP does. OSP still has pretty decent takedowns, good top game, of course. He's very heavy on top and has submitted tons of opponents. The one issue with OSP is you never know if he's going to come out shooting takedowns right away. In the Nikita Krylov fight, he came out shooting takedowns in round one, hit a lot of takedowns, but wasn't able to hold Krylov down and ended up gassing out and getting finished in that fight. That didn't really have him much success when he came out looking for takedowns right away. But when he came out versus McCall Olachechuk and was striking for a little bit, getting outstrike, then he turned to his wrestling as plan B. And that's when he was able to hit takedowns, get his top game going, and eventually submit McCall in round two. If we could trust OSP to come out here and shoot a high amount of takedowns and to 
constantly pursue the wrestling versus Jamal Hill, then he would probably be the favorite here. But OSG, OSP is just not a very consistent fighter. He does a lot of different things in every fight. Sometimes he fights low output striking matches. Sometimes he goes aggressive for the wrestling. So you never know what you're going to get. We also should note that OSP did miss weight for this fight. Did not look very good on the scales. Looked pretty soft and struggled making that weight. He weighed in at the very last second possible and still missed weight too. So definitely an indicator that OSP had a tough weight cut. I was way more optimistic about OSP's chances in this fight before the weight miss. I think that he could compete on the feet, possibly even hurt Hill with strikes at some point with Hill's bad boxing defense. And of course that grappling advantage for OSP as well, using his wrestling to get the fight to the floor, use his heavy top game and his diverse submission attempts. I was eyeing a play on OSP as an underdog before the weight miss, but after seeing that he didn't look good on the scales, I'm probably going to hold off here and maybe look to live bet OSP. If he's getting outstruck and he's looking durable, looking like he's not going to get knocked out, then he's always lied to hit the takedowns. He's always lied to pull off a crazy comeback. Most of OSP's wins have been by comeback. So look to live bet OSP if he's down here and if he's looking somewhat competent. But ultimately, I will be picking Jamal Hill to win by decision. I think that the speed advantage, the high output in his striking, and the way that he is accurate with his strikes, the different parts of the body, will eventually win him this fight. I think that he's able to avoid getting taken down, avoid getting stuck on his back, and wins this fight via decision. So the pick is going to be Jamal Hill by decision. It's not a confident pick, and it is dog or pass. Even with OSP's weight cut, it is dog or pass at these odds. Do not lay the chalk on Hill at this price. And once again, the official pick will be Hill by decision. The next fight is the main event of the card in the middleweight division. We have Marvin Vittori taking on Jack Hermanson. The opening betting line for this one was Vittori minus 162, Hermanson plus 140. Right now, we are seeing over on Bet Online Vittori minus 141 to Hermanson plus 121. More action coming in on Jack Hermanson here, although there is two way action on this competitive main event. There have been a lot of changes to this main event. It was supposed to be Hermanson versus Darren Till. Then it was supposed to be Hermanson versus Holland. And now it is Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. Although Vittori was training for a fight against Jacare Souza on December 12th. That is just one week from now. So he's in good shape. He was in fight camp anyway. He just got bumped up to two extra rounds for this fight. So theoretically, Hermanson should have a cardio advantage considering he had more of a heads up that this fight was going to be five rounds and we have actually seen Hermanson go the full five rounds a good five round performance against Jacare Souza probably his best win on his record and we have yet to see Vittori go the full five rounds although I do not expect it to be a major problem from Vittori he usually has good cardio especially in those late rounds he's kind of known for putting a pace and pressure on his opponents and he has had good volume in round three before so I do not expect cardio to be a big issue for Vittori in the striking of this fight, I do give Marvin Vittori an advantage. We know that Jack Hermanson has that unconventional herky-jerky striking style where he throws a lot of leg kicks, very unconventional movement, and he can be effective when he pops out his jab at some times, but does not have good defense, does not really react to punches very well. We have seen him get knocked out a few times throughout his career, so I definitely think that Marvin Vittori is the better striker. I really like Vittori's output on the feet. He's got that southpaw boxing where he throws a lot of straight punches, very good boxing technique. He digs to the body very well. In the grappling in this fight, we know that Jack Hermanson is definitely the better submission grappler of the two. He's got some incredible submissions on his record. His arm and guillotine is definitely his best choke. Very unusual choke to see in MMA, but Jack Hermanson does it better than anybody. 
But before Hermanson gets a submission in this fight, he needs to get the fight to the floor. And I think he's going to struggle with that in this fight. I'm not really impressed with Jack Hermanson's wrestling skill. I don't think he sets up his shots very well. I think he kind of relies on a lot of muscle and athleticism to get his takedowns. I think that was very evident in the Jared Cannonier fight. Hermanson came out very aggressive in that fight looking for early takedowns and even landed a few brief takedowns but was not able to establish a dominant position on Cannoneer. Cannoneer is super athletic, has good get-ups, was able to work his way back up to the feet and outstrike and outbox Jack Hermanson on the feet in that fight and eventually landed a nasty counter uppercut that led to the finish in that fight. I think that fight really showed that if Jack Hermanson is not able to get the fight to the floor early on in the fight, he really struggles. He's not comfortable just completely striking with his opponents. And it really comes down to Marvin Vittori's takedown defense. Is Vittori going to be able to stop the wrestling attempts of Jack Hermanson? And I believe that he will. The last time we saw Vittori taken down was in 2016 versus Antonio Carlos Jr., a very skilled jiu-jitsu practitioner with actually pretty good wrestling to go along with it. I think he probably has better wrestling than Jack Hermanson does. But even in that fight, Vittori was hard to take down. He was able to reverse position at times, and he lost a close decision. But he has just improved and improved since then. Solid fighters like Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Sanchez, Omari Akhmedov all attempted to take Vittori down, and all three of them failed. So you can clearly see the improvements in his defensive grappling since then, and Vittori has really just improved in all aspects of MMA. I really think he is an incredible fighter. He does pretty much everything well, in my opinion. He has good offensive striking. I really like his boxing attack. Very durable on the feet as well. He's got good cardio. He can pressure opponents and put a pace on them. He's got good takedown defense, and he actually has the ability to hit his own takedowns, top game opponents, and submit them like he did in his last fight against Carl Roberson. So I think that Vittoria is a really complete fighter. I think he's the better well-rounded fighter than Jack Hermanson. And I think that Vittoria is able to outbox Jack Hermanson at range, stuff takedowns, avoid getting taken down, put on his back, and put in one of Jack Hermanson's tricky submissions like an arm and guillotine. And I think that Vittoria will outbox Jack Hermanson, likely leading to a finish. Jack Hermanson kind of runs out of ideas, gets really aggressive, charges at you when he's not successful. And I think that Vittori is just going to be countering him all day, landing hard punches, the damage will accumulate, and we will likely see a mid-round knockout for Marvin Vittori. I'm going to go with a round three knockout for Vittori as the official prediction. In terms of bets for this fight, looking at the money line, I think it's actually Vittori or pass. I do not think there's any value on Hermanson at plus 120, considering Vittori's takedown defenses look so good. Hermanson's wrestling is not that good, and I think that Vittori just has many more ways to win the fight, and I think that his chances are around 60 to 65% here. So I think there's actually some value on Vittori at these odds. Haven't bet him yet, and I doubt I will, but Vittori is the value side in this fight. So that is going to conclude this fight analysis, and that will conclude this podcast as well. This is the three-year anniversary episode of March in MMA. Once again, thanking everybody who has listened over the past three years, and hope you all enjoy the event this weekend. Hope you all win some bets. You can check out my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which can be found on my Twitter profile, in the YouTube description of all the videos, and that's where you see all my official bets. I don't have any official bets locked in so far, but I will definitely lock in some over the next 24 hours. Make sure you keep posted with that Bet MMA page and subscribe or follow me on bet mma so you get an email every time i post a pic so thank you all for listening hope you all enjoyed the podcast hope you all enjoy the card this weekend and hope you all win some bets peace